in your face. David Bowie there. You are on In Your Face on 3CR with James. Well, this week, the Australian Bureau of Statistics agreed that the next census would be LGBTIQ plus inclusive after April Long and Equality Australia lodged a complaint at the Human Rights Commission that was resolved at conciliation. And April Long joins us on the line. Uh, April, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's a great story. Tell us, you're the, you're the hero, really, because you've, you've achieved a, a great outcome for the community. Tell us why you brought the complaint against the ABS. Yeah, look, it's certainly very exciting and a great outcome. Um, you know, sadly, it's an outcome that we've had to fight pretty hard for. And, you know, we've had 18 census in our country and we're yet to be included. So, you know, it is a really important first step. And for me personally, um, when completing the census, this was the first time we got to do it as a family. So, you know, my partner and I, we're a little bit of, you know, data nerds. We we know how important the census is in terms of, you know, getting policy and funding and knowing where in our country we need to focus that support on. Um, So we were really excited. You know, we had a fabulous census dinner, um, but we were quickly really disappointed, um, particularly when it came to filling the census out for our son. Um, It consistently asked for, you know, mother and father, uh, country of birth of mother and father. Um, You know, my my family is, you know, quite diverse uh, culturally, so I'm um, proudly Aboriginal and Irish. My partner's from a very proud Portuguese family. So we suddenly had these, you know, scenarios where we were like, well, what do we put down? Um, You know, why can't we include both mother and mother? Um, So we felt very strongly about it because, you know, it made us invisible. It made our son invisible. Um, But, of course, for all of those children who do have two mums and are, you know, second-generation queer families, they also couldn't fill the survey out. Um, so it's something we felt really strongly about and, you know, we're really happy with the outcome. It sounds like a really triggering experience and it sounds like it's very much about, you know, um, excluding the diversity of the country, doesn't it? I mean, this this information, if we are including the census, like they're saying that we will, will be so great for data collection to help with service provision and the provision of infrastructure. Well, that's the, you know, critical thing for us as a community. You know, we, we already face discrimination in, you know, the healthcare system. You know, I remember when Kyson was first born. I mean, the forms at the hospital still had, you know, mother and father. Um, I remember one nurse said, oh, I'll just put you down as husband, you know, um, as a joke. Um, so, you know, I think it's important for, you know, setting the tone for the rest of the country around... You know, the census can't fix those individual health forms or education forms, but, you know, we shouldn't be discriminated in a mandatory national survey. And it sends a very strong message, you know, to the rest of the country around how we ask these questions, um, but also, as you touched on, those services and support. So for Rainbow Families in particular, we don't have that accurate picture. So, you know, prenatal and postnatal services and supports that are tailored at the community, you know, aren't available. You know, when we talk about mental health, you know, addiction and recovery support services, I'm the CEO of an addiction and recovery service. And, you know, we need that information so we can 
ensure that we actually fund services and supports that are tailored at our community. So without the data, don't have those, you know, policy programs and services that means, you know, our community is supported. Um, so it does have big flow-on effects, not to mention, you know, just the feeling of disappointment, um, confusion, you know, that a lot of people experience when filling out the survey. I think that was the biggest thing for me and, you know, talking to other families who all had the same situation. Um, being non-binary for me, you know, it's very clear that the survey didn't ask me particular questions that it asked my partner, such as, you know, how many live births have you had? I wasn't asked that question. Um, and, you know, things like that. So we've got quite a long way to go, but I think what we've had from the ABS is a very strong indication that we did get it wrong um, and it's about time that we got it right. So we will have an expert advisory group that can help guide for the next census, which is what we're all looking forward to. So what specifically beyond that has the ABS agreed to do? So the ABS has agreed to consult with the community around, well, you know, how do we ask these questions as well as what questions do we ask? Um, because I think that was the other thing for a lot of people, the way in which questions were asked, particularly around gender um, and sex. Um, you know, so the census asked, you know, what is your sex and non-binary was there. And that was just confusing for a lot of people. Um, so they have agreed to look at the questions, um, put together an expert advisory group to support them, you know, in making sure they ask the right questions in the right way and also to hold, you know, educational um, events, activities, consultations as well. So um, I think that's really important, um, as well as the statement of regret, because I think what that says to the community in terms of moving forward is, yes, it was a bad experience and we got it wrong, um, but we are committed to getting it right. So I'm looking forward to, you know, working with the ABS, but also, you know, consulting with the community to you know, hear other people's experiences and, you know, make sure that we do, you know, get it as right as we can in 2026. That is really powerful, the ABS releasing a statement of regret. They're strong, heartfelt words. Can you describe for us what the process was like talking to the ABS once you lodged the complaint at the Human Rights Commission? Did you feel that regret? I think what everybody can see in that statement and you know, in the conversations that we've had following, you know, getting the expert advisory committee established is this isn't just, you know, symbolism or words. There is a very strong commitment and particularly that um, the minister responsible will also hear directly from the expert advisory group. That's really important because at the end of the day, the ABS can only make recommendations. It is the government of the day that decides to ask which questions. And I think it's worth noting at this point that the guidelines actually say parent. So, you know, there was a decision to ask mother and father and there was a decision in the way in which questions were asked. So it's really important that we actually work with government um, when these, you know, recommendations are put forward that this is an issue of national significance. You know, we all 
had to live through the plebiscite and the nation vote on whether we have a right uh, to marry. And now what we're asking, you know, is as a community that our national survey includes us so that we can have, you know, basic service provision and support that ensures our well-being. So, you know, it's really important that we also, you know, work with government and you know, hold government accountable to ensure that we're counted. So this shift has really happened because there's been a change of government. I mean, it would be interesting, you know, uh, this wouldn't have happened if the Morrison government was still in power. I can't speak to that. Um, all I can speak to is the willingness of, you know, both the ABS but also the minister responsible for the census to get it right. Um, I think our experience uh, and certainly how I felt that night completing the census says really clearly that the previous government got it wrong. Um, and we're really committed to working you now with this government, but all governments, around actually getting it right. And this, you know, isn't about politics. It's about our fundamental rights not to be discriminated against. And, you know, that can't be a political football. Um, that needs to be something that, you know, is a human right um, and something that, you know, we get right next year and, and all senses. Um, you know, as we move to 2026, but beyond that, because, you know, all families deserve to be counted and that's all we're asking for. I know under the previous government, uh, Michael Sukar was the minister responsible. Who is responsible in the Albanese government? Who's the relevant minister? Uh, minister Lee's responsible. Um, so, you know, we'll be working really closely to make sure that, um, you know, the, the committee is heard directly. Uh, by the minister, and you know, I think it was really great in the statement of regret to, um, you know, see that that was, you know, outlined, and there's a commitment there to really listen. So, you know, we're looking forward to having those conversations. How do you feel now that this issue is moving forward? It must feel like a weight's lifted. Yeah, I think um, you know, there's certainly, um, you know, there feels relief and excitement, and you know, positivity. Um, and I think the thing that's really um, inspired me throughout this process is just how much the community has got behind it as well. So, you know, lots of positive messages on social media and, you know, I, I really do think it's important that the whole community, you know, sees this as a win. Um, yes, there was an individual claim board, but, you know, it was really brought on behalf of the whole community because you know, everybody felt disappointed Know, discriminated against. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm certainly feeling relief that we've gotten to this point. But you know, I, I want a census that we can all be proud of. So um, I'm looking forward to that in 2026. April, what are the questions that uh, the government should be asking in the census about our community? What will you be pushing for? I'll certainly um, be pushing that. You know we do count rainbow families. I think that's really important and can sometimes get um, lost in some of the other conversations. So, you know, making sure that we do know how many children have two dads or have two mums. Um, you know, I think the questions around um, gender and sex need to be more clearly asked um, and explained so that we have, you know, really clear data on you know, how many non-binary people there are uh, in the country and gender diverse 
Um, I think that's really important. Um, we have uh, ensured in terms of the representation on the committee that there are Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, LGBTIQ communities included. Um, we want to make sure that um, there's a broad representation because I don't have all the answers. Um, I don't know, you know, um, how best to ask certain questions. So it's important that, you know, everybody's at that um, table and we are able to really test and, you know, make sure that we ask questions in a way where people feel heard and seen, but we also get really good data about it. And it's great that Equality Australia was supporting you when you lodged the complaint at the Human Rights Commission and supported you as you got this outcome. Yeah, it was really, um, I was really, really, um, yeah, get, get a little bit emotional talking about it. But um, as, an in, as an individual bringing, um, you know, a certain action like this, it just wouldn't be possible without the support of marriage equality, um, you know, Equality Australia and work they, they did throughout the plebiscite and, and now is, you know, just so important to our community. So, and, and that's another reason why we need this data because, you know, organisations that, you know, are funded to support the community, um, if they're not there, you know, I just think about how I felt on census night and, you know, trying to do this on my own. It just wouldn't be possible. Um, so it was wonderful to have their support and, you know, they have much broader representation, you know, the intersex community, the trans community. Um, it's really important that, yeah, all of those um, perspectives are brought to the table and, you know, um, Equality Australia is one of the, you know, other organisations that we have in the space. But I think their leadership um, in this has been, you know, fantastic and I personally, you know, just wouldn't have been able to do it without their support. Well, congratulations, April. You've delivered a wonderful outcome for the community. It is a win for inclusivity. And thank you so much for chatting with us today on 3CR. Thanks so much. April Long there, and here's Harder Tracks.
Sydney-based queer artist Harder Tracks there with Tungsten. And we're going to hear some more of their wonderful music. This track's called Low Desert Pulse. the tracks there.
there up real soon ap pop for joy to talk about honor rays they're the writer and director of the 17 part series that explores the lives of nine gender diverse young australians uh, but in the meantime here's earth wind and fire
to Radical Radio 3CR. Extending across the atlas, I begat this Flipping in together on the dirty mattress You can't match this, rapper slash actress More powerful than two Cleopatras Bomb graffiti on the tomb of Nefertiti MCs ain't ready to take it to the Serengeti My rhymes is heavy, like the mind of Sister Betty El Boogie spars with stars and constellations Then came down for a little conversation Adjacent to the king, fear no human being Roll with cherubims to Nassau Coliseum Now hear this mixture, where hip-hop meets scripture Develop a negative into a positive picture Now everything, everything is everything Sometimes it seems, sometimes it seems, we'll touch that dream, we'll touch that but dream. things come slow and not at all, they come slow, and the ones on top, won't make it stop, so convinced that they might fall, let's love ourselves and we can't fail, to make 
Lauren Hill there. You are on In Your Face on 3CR with James. Well, Unerased is a short documentary series, groundbreaking, featuring um, the story of nine young gender diverse folks. And on the line, I have the director and writer, AP Pop Bajoy. And um, it's great to have you on board. Thank you so much. Oh, hey, James. No, thank you for having me. It's a really exciting time. The series is launching Sunday, this Sunday, the 20th of August, on Instagram. And you're the writer and the director. It must be a joy to have connected with these young people and to have um, helped them put together their stories, which they've all shot on their phones. Yeah, yeah. It's been an amazing time to have, uh, I guess, nine teenagers at the helm who are telling their own stories all right across Australia. Um, I mean, with Instagram itself, I think the vlogging format is is, is so versatile and, and uh, innate to how young people tell stories and, and take in stories on the app. But, yeah, it's been a, it's been a whole year of uh, nine young people, I guess, filming and documenting their own lives uh, to the world, particularly as, you know, young, trans and gender diverse people. Yeah, and I mean, as you say, Instagram is a great forum for it. But what struck me when I when I watched a few of the of the of the of the docos, the short docos, was just how insightful they all were, and how you know in touch with themselves they they are. Yeah, yeah, I think I think Unraised definitely shines a light on the fact that you know young people at large are quite underestimated. You know, um, I mean, people don't usually listen to young people, let alone trans young people, but. I think once you give the space and the tools back to young people to tell their own stories, um, in return they become really, really brave and vulnerable um, and share things that are just so insightful and so honest. Um, and I think it's, it's really refreshing to be able to hear it in their own voices. I mean, I definitely, I definitely wasn't that insightful when I was 16, at least, I think. But it's been amazing. Yeah, and they really cut through stereotypes and, and, and challenge them, but were also so open about their personal circumstances. Um, it really is really fresh and insightful and gutsy. Yeah, yeah. I think it's been it, yeah, it's been one of those one of those journeys where um, thankfully we, we have nine people who had really kind of uh, big stories to tell in the year that, that we were that we were working with them. And, um, yeah, like I said, once you give the trust and the tools back for them to be able to, I guess, own their own experiences and to be a leader in their own stories, uh, they, they become very, very uh, emotionally open to the rest of the world, which I think is what we really need right now. So how did you find these, these young people? Were there lots of people that put their hands up and you had to kind of sift through? Or, like, what's the, what's the, what's the <laughs> yeah. story? 
Yeah, well, um, much like the distribution, we definitely use social media as as a tool to, to kind of grasp any kind of trans young people from across the country who'd be open and interested in, in vlogging their lives for a year um, in the attempt to make this project. And um, Minus18, who's our online distributor, um, kind of sent out a call out amongst their circles to, to young people. And within 48 hours, we had almost 100 applications from kids all across the country who wanted to be a part of it. Um, so it was it was a long few months sifting through, you know, 100 uh, applications and, and Zooming with so many different types of young people. Um, but, you know, it was definitely a hard choice to try and narrow nine uh, cast members. But um, thankfully, you know, the, the nine that we did end up choosing, you know, it was, it was a really... Uh, it was really rare to find nine young people who had, I guess, a breadth of experience in, the, in, in, in gender, gender identity, you know, making sure that we have uh, lots of different kinds of people in this show. Um, and yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah, it was, it was a hard, it was a hard call, but I think, I think like we said, like it's not, it's a show that's not, it's for every trans kid, even though it doesn't have every trans kid in it. It must have been a truly inspiring journey for you as the director. What were some of the surprises that came up for you? Oh, some of the surprises. I think for me as a director, normally when you're making something, you know, you're quite, um, I guess, you know, very much steering the ship in terms of the creative and in terms of the story. But I feel like what was the biggest surprise in this in this sort of uh, format and this, this documentary was the fact that I was really being guided by nine other young people. It was really them kind of, telling me what story they wanted to tell. And I, I was there to give the tools and I guess hold their hand in a sense um, to help them tell that story. But I almost felt like, um, oh yeah, I almost felt like we had nine different directors on this on this uh, documentary because well, the, yeah, it was one of the biggest surprises was the fact that I think I was actually being guided by the young people rather than me guiding them. How has the project impacted on you? I mean, it sounds like a dream job. <laughs> yeah. It is a dream job. I, I think I feel very, very privileged to be able to. I mean, to, to, to direct documentary is amazing, but to direct this kind of documentary has been kind of extraordinary. Um, I mean, it's been a really big impact. I think you know, being a trans person myself and walking through the world um, as I am, I, I really, really relate to a lot, like to all of the kids, um, and I really relate to their journeys. And I almost kind of see a former self in them all. Um, so it's been, you know, very, like you said, emotional and refreshing. To, to It's been such a validating process to know that um, community is everywhere and that I guess the next generation of trans young people are really hopeful and bright, you know, like change is just around the corner. There must have been a lot of kind of, you must have felt like kind of like a big sibling, but you must have also felt like <laughs> a bit like they're kind of, you know, guardian angel, if you like. You must have felt very protective of them. Oh yeah, we definitely still do. Of course, yeah. It's it's almost like having nine younger siblings. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, you know. And of course, we're making documentary, especially with young people. Uh, what's at the forefront of our minds is, is, is the duty of care for these young people who were definitely sharing quite intimate portrayals of their lives, um, and also, you know, um, making sure that there is aftercare and support in place for these young people and their parents and their families. So, you know, along with minus eighteen being our online distributor, um, transgender. Victoria and Project Rocket have also been two other partners that have um, helped kind of construct a very sturdy aftercare plan to make sure that the cast members feel safe and supported, not through just the production, but also through the release. Um, so 
so it's yeah, it's, it's been. Um, but if, you know, more than anything, I think we've actually all just become very, very good friends, which is uh, a really beautiful thing that I don't think you get in a lot of other mediums. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like a really, really healthy experience and a really, really kind of great springboard for them as they kind of, you know, jump into their adult lives to have that support from Transgender Victoria, for example, to kind of, you know, help them with those pathways forward. Yeah, of course. I mean, we definitely know that, you know, this documentary is definitely a snapshot in time. You know, it's only one year out of, you know, many, many, many years that these kids will, um, you know, do great things. So to be able to not only, I guess, for them to have, I guess, a, a, I guess like a bit of a time capsule to who they were or what they've overcome, um, to be who they are is a really, really special thing. It's not every day that you get to vlog your life for a year for a documentary. Um, but I think, you know, the nine participants and with the help of Transgender Victoria forming an own, like their own community um, as cast members um, and kind of this experience has sort of bonded them all together um, is a really, really great support network and, you know, is one of the main reasons why we decided to make the project was to, to show the other young queer people that they're not alone in their, their experience and they're not alone in the world either. You must be incredibly excited about the launch. Um, tell yeah. us a bit about the process from here forward. Like there's 17 mm-hmm. episodes and they're all on Instagram. Yeah. When are they all coming out? Like what's the, what's the, what's the schedule? Yeah, sure. So um, our first, there is 17 episodes and they run for about three to four minutes each. Um, And our first episode drops this Sunday, the 20th of August on Minus 18's Instagram. So that's at Minus 18 Youth. Um, And it will be running for six weeks. So we have three episodes dropping every Monday and Friday um, until mid-September. So it's been a long, long journey and we're all wrapping up for Sunday as the big launch event. Um, but yeah, well, it'll it'll be launching uh, with minus eighteen on Instagram and then on TikTok as well, which is also another app um, at Unerased Series. Are you feeling a bit nervous about the launch? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think I think I think I'm nervous because I care. I feel like that's a good a good signal. Um, I, I definitely have the jitters, but it's kind of equal parts nerves, but also excitement and joy. Um, you know, when you've just, it's just the anticipation of making something for so long. And I think the kids definitely feel the same way. You know, we've all worked really, really hard together to create something really special. Um, and it's always a bit of a, a touchy time when you send it out into the world, but it's also extremely exciting and, and, and really, um, really amazing to get it out there. And I think with our distribution partner, Minus 18, who just shares the same mission and the same values as the show, um, you know, their reach with young people across Australia is really, really immense. So, no, I think I'm really excited to get it out there and to, and to show young people that whether they're trans, cis, straight, whatever, that they can be the most authentic versions of who they are. Because this must be the first project of its kind in Australia. Do we have any other overseas projects that are similar? Like, it's pretty groundbreaking. Um, well, we couldn't we couldn't find any vlogumentary documentaries that dealt with specifically trans youth. I mean, there have been a few documentaries in Australia, such as, you know, My Year 12 Life for the ABC or Youth on Strike for Junkie that have used the kind of uh, vlogging format before um, to create story. But this is the first of its kind in terms of trans youth. And I mean, these kinds of things don't come about unless there's government support. Um, Tell us about the government support that's behind this. Yeah, so um, in order to to fund and, and to, make, to make the project. Uh, Screen Australia and Big Screen, who are two federal government agencies, our, our screen bodies, if you will. When you go to the cinema and you sit down, you see all those logos at the front of an Australian film. It's going to be Big Screen and Screen Australia. Um, through their online departments, we've been able 
uh, to, to graciously have their support to, to make the series. And Twin Australia and Vic Screen both have um, very, uh, I guess, uh, big desires to be able to support very different but also authentic and diverse stories in the Australian landscape. So we, we really couldn't have done this without Screen Australia and Big Screen, actually. Um, they've been big, big champions and big supporters, yeah. And I guess you're going to have masses of people watching this on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, that's the hope. I mean, I, I mean, I look around and everyone's on their phone, you know, so I kind of think, especially young people, so I think you know. I think I think we're gonna we're gonna definitely make a splash on on Sunday on Instagram for sure. And what's next for you after this project? I mean, you're doing so much great work. What's what's in the pipeline? Ah, what's in the pipeline? Hopefully a holiday at some point. But I think um, you know, with something like this, you know, and with documentaries in general, the release happens. But then you know, you're dealing with the next kind of year of, of impact. And for, for this project, uh, we have a really really strong um, kind of. Uh, direction of being able to create a very strong impact strategy and plan for community screenings, for businesses, teachers, schools, to be able to use utilise Unarrays as a resource for people to better understand the trans experience from young people. So I think the next year is actually going to be still another year dedicated to Unarrays, but in a way that's going to be able to make real kind of tactile positive change in, in businesses and schools and communities. Yeah, I can really see schools running with it and including it in their curriculums. Yes, that's the that's that's the the hope with with our partners is to be able to sort of package up unarrays and to have in school screenings, community screenings, and then and then to create a discussion guide of, of the types of conversations that unarrays brings up for young people, um, and to to kind of I guess un, unpack it a little bit more. And I imagine you're going to have lots of gender diverse young people kind of watching this and going, well, I'm going to start uploading my story now on Instagram. <laughs> so you might be yeah. really sending something to to go whoosh. Yeah, well, I, I kind of I think that the the documentation or the story of what it means to be a trans young person in this country should be in the hands of trans young people. And I think for quite some time, we've definitely seen articles and interviews and bills. And every time you open something, it just it's, it's always a politician or a teacher or an adult kind of wading into the conversation and trans kids, ironically, are not inside a conversation that's all about them. So Unarrays is really about reversing that and, and not even change, not even uh, letting kids into the conversation, but changing the conversation completely and giving them the power back. So if that means young people get to document their lives and tell the world how it really is, I think that's a really positive thing. And so important at the moment when there's, you know, so much negativity, certainly over the last couple of years, it's almost like this project is helping us to turn the corner, hopefully. Yes, well, that that is the hope, and I think with Unarrays, and I think a lot of people will see this when the show come out. The show comes out is that yes, we've got nine trans young people in this show, but I think they're also, you know, being trans is not necessarily exclusive of a normal teenage experience. I think Unarrays tells a very much universal story about what it just means to grow up, and I think all of us being sixteen, seventeen at some point knows what it's like to figure out who you are and trying to figure out where you fit in. And I think unarrays, regardless if you're trans or cis, will we'll speak to that. Well, you should be very proud of it. Uh, AP Popperjoy, the writer and director of Unarrays, thank you so much and congratulations. Oh, thanks, wonderful. James. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. And, yeah, it's a great series launching Sunday on the Minus 18 uh, profile on Instagram, Unarrays. Uh, we'll catch you next week on In Your Face.
In Your Face would like to thank Thorn Harbour Health for their sponsorship of this program. Thorn Harbour Health envisions a healthy future for our gender, sex and sexuality diverse communities, a future without HIV, and a future where all people live with dignity and respect. To find out more, search Thorn Harbour Health on your search engine or Facebook.